Hello and welcome to the Spirit Guide Society podcast. My name is Pedro Shanahan. Tonight in the Whiskey Society at Seven Grand in downtown Los Angeles, we had Brian Summers from Highland Park in the house. Brian is their brand ambassador here locally in SoCal. He tasted us through the 12-year, the Valkyrie, the absolutely legendary 18-year, and then their latest release, Full Volume. We hope you enjoy this podcast. And remember, drink responsibly. So Highland Park is a distillery that was actually founded by a Viking in the 1700s, right? Skull, absolutely, absolutely. His name was Magnus Jonsson, and in addition to being a Viking, he was, he wore a couple other hats. He was a butcher, so he was covered in blood a lot. Um, And then he was also a preacher, which is kind of in contrast to being a Viking, a whiskey maker, and a butcher. So he had this congregation, and... Most of the people were there to buy whiskey. Uh, and his, he used his congregation to both store and sell whiskey, more so than, than preach the good word, at least. Uh, maybe the good word about whiskey, right? Here, here. Skull, yeah. So uh, he was doing this kind of on the down low from the tax man. He was making whiskey on illicit pot stills. And then in 1798, the tax man kind of got wise to what he was doing, and that's when the distillery was founded. So there you go. So, <clears throat> so his name was Magnus Jonsson, and uh, that's, that's what we had in that delicious uh, punch. Is that what we have right here? Oh, no, we have the first one. Twelve. Twelve, sweet. So the Magnus was in our welcome punch, which was lovely. Lovely. <laughs> Nicely done, brother. Nicely done. Uh, let's talk a little bit about how we make whiskey before we dive into this beautiful glass. But if you guys want to start you know, activating that olfactory sense, I suggest you do so. Some beautiful aromatics in this whiskey. So definitely use your nose, but I'd, I'd, I'd hesitate on tasting just yet. We'll taste together. Uh, I'm only going to babble a little bit longer, but I did want to get into how we make good whiskey, right? In Highland Park, one of the things that sets it apart is such an awesome process. Uh, so there's some, you know, extra steps that we take that the industry has kind of steered away from as it's modernized. Uh, the industry has gotten quite a bit mechanized, and Highland Park is still making whiskey very much the old-fashioned way. So we take this raw grain, this barley, right? And what we do at Highland Park, we still do this the old-school way. We're one of six distilleries in Scotland. Anybody know how many distilleries, single malt distilleries, there are in Scotland? Well, about 120, yep, about 120, whoever said that, Damn. yep, so out of 120, there's six that still do this process, uh, Highland Park being one of them, uh, a few years ago, it was only four, a couple distilleries kind of have upped their game a little bit, and I respect that quite a bit, so what we do is we soak barley, this, these little barley pods, and the idea is we're going to trick these barley pods into thinking it's time to grow into a new plant, and why do we do that? It's because of some other things that happen while that happens, the germination process. You just said it. We're going to have the starches in that grain convert into fermentable sugar. We're going to sprout little rootlets. And what we do at Highland Park is we let this all happen on a stone floor at our distillery as opposed to buying pre-malted barley from industrial UK companies. So we literally have gentlemen turning this barley with a wooden shield up over their shoulder to aerate that barley. Um, 
Every eight hours, right? 24-7? Yeah, yeah, constantly. Our malt men are, are busy at work, and within five to seven days, uh, we will have reached that sweet spot. So uh, we're tossing this barley around, and we don't actually want it to grow into a new plant. We just want to kickstart that process to convert those starches into sugars. So we need to halt that process at this point. So we do this by drying the barley out. Has anybody ever had a whiskey that's just a complete smoke bomb? Yeah. Yeah. And have you ever had a single malt scotch that has absolutely no smoke at all? Yeah. It, it, as far as the process goes, where these two paths branch off is in the, the heat source you use to dry out this barley. So an unpeated, uh, unpeated distillery like our sister distillery, McAllen, uh, we'll use just a dry neutral heat, uh, like an anthracite coal. It's not gonna impart any flavor. Whereas at Highland Park, we use this ancient, multiple thousands of years old layer of Scottish earth. And we add this to our furnace and it smokes up and it, for lack of a better phrase, kind of hot boxes the barley with this earthy, smoky characteristic. Yeah, the really special thing about the pea um, in Orkney is that the terroir, it doesn't allow for any trees to grow. So the peat itself is woodless. So that makes it very special. Too. Huge. That's a huge factor. Heather. heather. It's, it's all heather peat. Exactly. I'm so glad you brought that up. So where you harvest this ancient earth and what vegetation moldered into the earth is going to be a huge terroir factor. It's going to be a huge factor. So you can have a whiskey. Uh, I'll go off brand, guys. Lafroig versus Octomore. Octomore on paper should be way, way smokier than Laphroaig, but if you AB those two, they're neck and neck, and it can go a little subjective there, but they're both smoke bombs. Why does Laphroaig smell and taste so much smokier than Octomore? Well, it's where they harvested that earth. Uh, Laphroaig is Isla peat. What was the vegetation that died into that, into that earth? Seaweed. Whereas... Octomore is using highland peat, which has some wood, has some heather, has a multitude of different types of vegetation. So it takes on a different characteristic. Highland Park, it's just heather peat, uh, which is it's going to give you these beautiful floral and campfire smoky notes, uh, which is going to differ quite a bit um, from other, other whiskeys. So to give you guys the extra nerd out, <laughs> Highland Park actually makes two batches of whiskey. We make some unpeated and some heavily peated. And then we vat that pre-maturation so we can dial in that smoke depending on the expression we're going to taste. So we're going to start off, guys, with this flagship. This is our 12-year. There's a lot of beautiful sherry influence on, uh, on this whiskey. So we, 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 we dry out this barley. We mill it. We hit it with some hot water, allow that hot water to pull that sugar off of, off of that grain. We add sugar. Uh, but before we add sugar, anybody know what the liquid is called at this point? It has a very glamorous name. Wart. Yeah, the wort. The wort. I wasn't kidding. It is glamorous. So then we add, we add yeast at this, at this stage. And this is how al alcohol is made and a... a to keep on theme of not being glamorous, I'm gonna give you guys a pretty weird explanation of fermentation that I don't think you guys will ever forget. Uh, yeast is literally just, it's eating sugar, 
is farting CO2 and it pees alcohol. <laughs> wow. Until, and that's science, guys. That's science. <laughs> <laughs> so if you've ever wondered what your champagne bubbles or your beer bubbles are, now you know. Now you know, guys. So at a certain, at a certain level, the alcohol is going to kill all the yeast. So if we want to concentrate it more with alcohol, what do we need to do? Exactly, we need to distill it. We need to separate water and alcohol by means of heat with the knowledge that they evaporate at different temperatures. So if alcohol evaporates at a lower temperature than water does, in theory, what's going to evaporate first? What's going to turn from... Yeah, exactly, guys, exactly. So in our copper pot stills, uh, as per the single malt tradition, we do this twice. There is one distillery that does three distillations. Extra credit, anybody know? Nice, we got some geeks in here, I love it. Yeah, love it, nicely done. So two different times we're doing this in these beautiful copper pot stills. We separate water and alcohol, comes off the still, what color guys? Clear, and then it, we put it into barrel. So this is a good kind of lead into this guy. This is predominantly European red oak sherry and there's some American oak sherry as well. All right guys, so go ahead and take a nose. Throw out some fruit words. What are you guys nosing on? Yeah. This? Anyone? Bueller? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Caramel? I agree on both of those. I agree on both of those. Big time. Put a little sweet hay on this. Big time. Yes. Agreed. So one of the things that I absolutely adore about Highland Park and that I was always so impressed by long before I ever worked for the distillery and why it makes it such a dream to work for these guys uh, is my love affair with single malt uh, comes mostly from my nose. Um, that's where I can perceive so much more nuance and character is in the nose. You can Your, your palate is sensitive, but your nose is infinitely more sensitive. <clears throat> there is some beautiful spice in there. I agree. I agree. What are you guys getting on the palate there? Totally, yeah. Sure. There is some candied stuff going on in there. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I was a bartender for 11 years, and I would work in these kind of very, very elevated cocktail bars, and sometimes I'd spend four or five hours just creating one component for a cocktail. And when I'd come home, I don't want to go through that fuss for me. You know what I mean? You want to bring your work home. No, exactly. I want to separate the two, but I kind of screwed myself and, and, and spoiled my palate a little bit. And I was like, man, I'm craving complexity, but I'm, I, I just want something that... So single malt was the very, very kind of logical progression for me. Is It's at its most beautiful when it's just naked in a glass, and you can just come home after a long night's work and just go, and be like, oh, this is it's, it's there. I can sit there and intellectualize it in the glass. I can nose it. I can, I, it'll smell different in five minutes. It'll smell different in 10 minutes. I can go and walk outside with the glass. It's going to smell completely different. And these are all things that really made me fall in love with this category. And when we smell Highland Park, I have to point out, there is such a wide spectrum of aromatics. Uh, I'm a musician myself, so I kind of see things in musical terms a lot. If we could visualize like a, a 
like a visual EQ, uh, an equalizer. There's a lot of bass, there's a lot of highs, and there's a lot of mids, but there's really low lows and high highs, and, and, and there is not any filters chopping off any frequencies there. It's just this really broad spectrum of aromatics that I find uh, very stimulating and, and enjoyable. So cheers, guys. This is a, this is a whiskey that you know, helped, helped my love affair with single model long. So I'm happy to share this with you guys. Cheers. All right, guys, so next up. I'm excited to taste you on this one. So this is newer. This came out last year. And this one's called the Valkyrie. So I talked about our founder being a Viking. Well, the island of Orkney was actually once part of Denmark. And it was pawned off to Scotland as part of a royal dowry. Uh, so there's a ton of Viking and Norse heritage laced into the island. Most of the descendants on Orkney are, are Viking descendants. A large portion of our distillery workers are Viking descendants. So they're just like a bunch of six foot three guys walking around. Just named Thor, just walking around. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. So uh, we, we like to lace in some of that Viking heritage. So we named this one Valkyrie. Anybody know what a Valkyrie is? The woman warrior. Yeah. So this is these, these female spirits that, that watch over battle and they decide who lives and dies on the battlefield. It's a lot of responsibility. It's pretty cool. <laughs> exactly. So if, if, you're, if you're cool, you get to go to Valhalla, which is, uh, you know, where King Odin is going to style you out. Yeah. And if you're not, I'm sorry. I'm just very sorry. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly, exactly. So this whiskey right here, we dialed up the peat a little bit. And we're aging this guy in three different types of casks. So I should point out, guys, Highland Park never has, never will mess with any caramel coloring. So we can actually look and hold this glass up to the light and actually learn something about that. We see a lot of whiskey tastings, and it's funny as hell to me because most of them use caramel coloring. Wow. It's a <laughs> dirty little secret of the industry, but Highland Park. <laughs> McAllen? No, no. To clarify, McAllen, no caramel coloring at all. Uh, our sister distillery, none of, none of the distilleries in the Edgerton portfolio mess with caramel coloring. But some of our favorites do. Yep, some of our favorites do. But yeah, no. Sure, sure. Hey, I, I'm not here to badmouth anybody, but I will stick up for McAllen. They, they do not need to. Their oak casks are that vibrant that they don't need to. And Highland Park uses the same oaks, uh, you know, our same wood program as McAllen. Uh, it is. It is. So we spend more per barrel than any other distillery. Yeah, because you guys send it out to, to Spain. Spain, right? To the Spain. Sherry. So we do a lot of sherry. Uh, there's some sherry in this guy. So we, we, you know, we're leading with that sherry, that European red oak Olorosa sherry. But there's also some American oak sherry. And then there's also some refill bourbon casks as well. Mm. So all three of those different casks are kind of bringing different characteristics to the party. And, and I think it really plays well in this guy. This is a, a very vibrant whiskey. That Pete definitely likes to 
make itself known. Let's give this guy a little nose. What are you guys getting on the nose there? Yeah, oh, caramel. Caramel. Yeah. yeah. The bourbon, for sure. Yeah. Smoky bourbon, though. Mm -hmm. <laughs> to me, it tastes like oh, nice butterscotch. Licorice. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Love it. You guys, are, you guys have some some uh, some well developed uh, noses, guys. I'm impressed. I'm impressed. <laughs> yeah. All right, let's go ahead and take a sip. Top it over your tongue. Oh yeah. That kind of bloom in the chest, it mm. reminds me a lot of a mm. bourbon for sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, the bourbon cask is, is definitely, uh, it's not it's, it's not trying to be too shy yeah. among those yeah. assertive sherry casks. Mm -hmm. So the single malt scotch and the scotch industry as a whole is, is doing a lot of non-aid stated whiskeys. And a, a huge part of this is demand. But I think a huge part of this is a natural evolution of the industry. Uh, there's so many different factors that can shape a whiskey's DNA in addition to time. Uh, people perceive there to be this linear relationship between time and maturity that, let's be honest, exists a lot more in our heads than it does in real life. A lot like human beings, we all know people who do get older and gain wisdom and are amazing old people. But we also know people that peaked in high school, and it happens <laughs> just like that with the Scotch whiskey. It really does. It really does. It really does. So, so what is to say that something that is just right there in the pocket at a young age isn't going to marry well with something that's peaking later on in its maturation? What's to say that's not going to equal something beautiful? So. Uh, I think the quality of the cask, how many times a barrel has been used is a huge factor that's gonna skew that graph drastically. Every use of a barrel, the ethanol alcohol pulls phenols out of the wood and that's gonna pull life out of that cask so that that cask going forward can't impart as much flavor, color, and aromatic. And, 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 and each use of it is it's gonna take more of that away. Highland Park and McAllen we do mostly first and second fill, maybe some third fill, but beyond that, we aren't reusing our casks a whole lot. Um, so we can get a more intense flavor off of a young cask than a lot of distilleries can because of that commitment to buying really expensive sherry casks, <laughs> to, be quick, to be frank. Yeah, absolutely. So guys, next up, we're gonna taste the, the whiskey from Highland Park that absolutely blew my mind really kind of took me hook, line, and sinker and made me fall in love with this distillery. I already kind of clued you in to what kind of drives me uh, and, and my passion for single malt scotch, and it's very much the nose, guys. So I'm going to give you guys, obviously, some kind of basic nosing techniques, and uh, I'm going to show you guys a couple things that I do that make me a bit of a weirdo, but sometimes I'm able to pick up stuff that you know, quote unquote. Yeah, sometimes I'm in there. And it, and you know what? The truth is, guys, you're going to have good and bad days with your nose. It's going to happen. There's been days. It's true. It's true. And, and, and I worked at one of the bars I worked at. We had a game that we aptly named What's in My Mouth? <laughs> Where which we would we would just blind taste something off the back bar. And, and, and try and see how close we can get and see you know, how good our deductive reasoning is uh, and, and how, how dialed in our nose is that day. And some days you're on fire. I, one day, 
like I was able to get three right in a row, the actual bottle, and and nobody else was there. They they, they worked there was able to ever do that. But then two days later, I got the spirit category wrong. So <laughs> uh, no, I got a I got a I got a aged rum, and I was I was certain it was American whiskey, and it was not, and I was completely wrong. So you're gonna like if you're in this room and other people are like, oh I get this that and the other thing, and you're like wow I get one thing. Am I stupid? Is some no, <laughs> no. It's a muscle. You got to keep working it. One and two. They just might be hot today, and then and tomorrow you might be hot. So you know, it's part of the journey, guys. Yeah, we it's do strengthening that. Here too, and every time we do them with Evan, Evan swears he hates a certain whiskey, and then he smells it. He's blind. And he's every like, time. Wow, I love this. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't, that, that doesn't surprise me at all. That doesn't surprise me at all. I do a lot of my tastings blind for that reason. Because people come in with a, a preconceived notion of what the think the right answer of what I'm supposed to like is. Think about how stupid that sounds. Like there is no right answer to what your favorite is. You guys gotta trust your nose, your palate. That's really ultimately all that matters. Do some research on the process. Make sure your your distillery does, you know, puts love into their process. But ultimately, the proof is in the pudding. Does it smell good? Does it taste good? Right, and to me, this is one of those whiskeys that I can obsess over the nose. Um, when I'm really in love with the whiskey, I can't stop smelling it. I I can't pull my nose out to even be a polite conversationalist. <laughs> I I I'm like, please stop bothering me right now. This is really awesome. Um, and I think of whiskeys under 25 years old. It's it's hard to find something that rivals this as far as aromatics, speaking of that aromatic spectrum. So that being said, guys, what do we get on the nose here? Like leather. Asian pear. See how across the board that was? And yes to all of them. Yes. Washes an apple. Yeah, absolutely. Guys, there are so many thousands of different aromatic congeners that we can perceive. And what we perceive in this room is going to be different than what we perceive in a different room with different air. What did you eat for lunch today is going to skew what you perceive. Your allergies. Your allergies. allergies yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Is, is the wind blowing pollen in your face <laughs> killing you right now? Yes, it is. Uh, that's going to be a factor. Absolutely. So, guys, I want to I want to give you guys some extra nosing tips, right? So, we'll start with... Uh, one of the probably most well-known ones, and that is activating your taste buds a little bit. So we're gonna breathe through our nose, but with your mouth slightly ajar. And it's gonna feel awkward if you haven't tried it yet. But when you do it right, and you do it at the right distance from the glass, and, and it takes a little uh, trial and error, but from the right distance from the glass, when you breathe through your nose and you have that kind of circular breathing thing going on and you're activating your taste buds, that is a way of looking at something from a different angle just to get a greater picture of what, what you're smelling. Anyone play wind instruments in here? <laughs> circular breathing. Yes! Yes! <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Anybody that plays the oboe knows, what, knows what's up on this. Also bassoon. Um, saxophone and clarinet and other woodwinds do not. Only the double reeded instruments do you actually have to circular breathe. 
Externally. Yeah. And the news we do. And the news we do. Yes, absolutely. Uh, so, all right, that's, that's nose and tip number one. Nose and tip number two. And this works great for sherried whiskeys like this one that has some beautiful sherry influence on it. We're going to dip our pinky finger into it, just, just barely. And if you don't have, like, fragrance on your hand or lotion or anything, <laughs> rub it into the top of your hand until your hand dries. Wait till your hand is, wait till all that alcohol dries. <laughs> Not even. Alcohol evaporates very soon. It's already ready. So once you have a dry hand, which should be about now-ish, smell, smell your hand. That smell good. Isn't that yeah. amazing, guys? That's literally, yes, yes. Super. All right, guys. I take it. I take it by the buzz in the room that that tripped a lot of you guys out, and I'm glad. <laughs> I am glad. Uh, so you probably were able to isolate certain aromatics by doing that, namely the inside of that sherry cask. The, anybody get that beautiful cedary kind of woody smell? Definitely. Some people got some floral stuff. That's that peat. That's our heather peat. <laughs> Our peat has a floral element, which is a beautiful thing. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. So, and here is our third nosing technique, and this one is my wacky one that works for me. So don't judge me if it, no one else has taught you this before, and I don't even care because it works. So <laughs> I literally, I copied nature. I copied an animal that has a much more sensitive nose than humans. Any, no, any animal that's like smelling things, they do a rapid fire smell and they, and they, and they blow out air with their nose and that's, what, that's where it kind of like reflects. So rapidly kind of blow some air in your glass and again, you have to get the right distance. If you do this too close, it's gonna burn a little bit. It's gonna, you're gonna burn your old factory. So you have to kind of, you have to kind of waft it around, find that sweet spot for yourself to where you're able to smell sweetness and not burn, not burn the nose hairs, right? And then once you do that, kind of do your little rapid fire and, and blow some air into the glass and it's gonna reflect some aromatics back at you. So you do all three of those techniques and they're all gonna give you a different perspective on the same exact liquid to help you piece together a better picture of what the heck's in your glass, right? I really like that third one. Cool. That's really fun. Cool. Yeah. That works. Sweet. That works. Righteous. Extra credit. Love it. Love it. Uh, not yet. We smelled it. So, guys, what do we get on the nose here? A lot. Charcoal. Totally. A little bit of brine. Yeah. Biscuits. Yes. Yes. That brine, we, we are on the island of Orkney. And the, the, the wind is super violent. Our casks are breathing that air in as, as you know, this whiskey is maturing. That's the air that this whiskey is breathing. So we get that salinity from just aging our whiskey on Orkney. <clears throat> How many people uh, do you say would work at the, at the distillery? My guess is somewhere in the 40 to 50 ballpark. Okay, that's pretty big. We're still doing a lot by hand. We're a lot less mechanized than, than a lot of other distilleries, but we're still a smaller distillery. What is the ABV of all the whiskey you've tried so much? 43? Yeah, 43 for, for 12. I think uh, 
40, yeah, 46 for the Valkyrie, but back down to 43 again for the 18. ABV. Alcohol by volume. Yep. What's your position on adding water to like open up the whiskey? That is an awesome question. And it's so funny that you asked that now because the next whiskey we're going to taste it, uh, is called Full Volume. And it's literally stolen straight out of like my, my spiel for this answer. But I, again, as a, as a musician myself, I, I, I see things kind of in a musical, I, I relate things back to music a lot. So if you add ice to a whiskey versus if you add water to a whiskey, they both will soften that ethanol edge, that alcohol, right? Where they differ is that ice in bringing the temperature down is gonna kind of basically turn the volume down on the whole mix. Whereas if you add water, it's like you're in the studio, you got a fader, and you're just one fader. Like if you want to, I got a fever and it's less cowbell. If you want to turn, turn that cowbell down, then you can, you can only adjust that cowbell. You add that water, and by bringing that ABV down, you allow everything else to kind of sing out at full volume. Uh, so that's kind of an awesome segue. Let, well, I don't want to rush us with this 18. <laughs> yeah. This 18 is too beautiful. We'll talk more about full volume. This one's an 18. This is an 18. That's what we're tasting. Well, we this is. A bit more smoke. Yeah. yeah, and it's evolving a little bit in the glass, isn't it? Just since we first started smelling it to now, different things. Cotton candy. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I agree. The palate, you get so much more of that sherry. So for the 18, it's a lot of, sh it's, it's, it's almost exclusively sherry. There's a predominant European oak style, but there's definitely a presence of American oak that we ship to Spain. So one of the things that Highland Park does that's very, very unique, um, and, and we borrowed a page from our sister distillery, McAllen. We take the oldest oak trees that we can sustainably harvest. Why do we want the oldest trees? Well, they do have the most flavor, but why? Porous, yes. Por you guys are smart. I'm impressed. I'm impressed. So the more porous the wood, the more nooks and crannies for that liquid to seep into and thus pull flavor and aromatic out of that wood. So we want porous trees for that reason. So we take the oldest trees that we can sustainably harvest through PEFCA certified uh, harvesting practices where which we are gonna plant a new tree for every tree we take, only in forests that are not too densely populated for a little sproutling to even survive in the first place. Because if I try to plant a new tree in a densely populated forest, it never has a chance. So that's how we get that PEFCA certification. Uh, and what we do is we're gonna ship these, these oak trees to Spain. We, we, we break it down and as opposed to drying the oak out in a kiln in a matter of hours, like how we dry out our barley in a kiln. Highland Park has one of only six working kilns in Scotland. Every distillery has a kiln, but now they've all been converted to visitor centers and what have you. Six distilleries actually use their kiln to dry something out. It's basically a giant oven. Most oak is dried out that way. We let it happen over the course of three years under the sun. 
We lose a lot to rot and nature, but by not denaturing the wood, by not changing that, the, the, the wood on a molecular level, we get to extract so much more flavor from it. So th from there, we have coopers at a couple major sherry bodegas in Spain uh, who are going to look after our casts out over there in Spain in Jerez, uh, making sure they get toasted beautifully, making sure all these staves look great. If, it's, if a stave is not up to par, that gets you know, sold to furniture makers, uh, railroad companies, and what have you. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, right? Hey, we're Scottish, man. We're not throwing stuff away. Who do you think we are? Who do you think we are? So we season the inside of these barrels with sherry, which is a fortified wine from Spain, right? So I hear it all the time. I just want to clarify. I'm positive all you guys know this, but I, I hear it all the time. People can... Oh, cherry. No. That's okay if you thought that. I'm not going to judge you. We're all, you know, we're all at a different point in our whiskey journey. And the, fact, and the fact that you're here right now learning with us is awesome. So I will never judge anybody for, you know, not knowing something as long as they're here to try and learn something. If you come at me and you're like, you don't know anything, and now you're trying to flex on some strong opinions, uh, to make, have another drink, and then let's talk. Um, so let's 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 taste this next whiskey. Let's do it. This is full volume. So every now and then Highland Park does some limited one-off bottlings, and I love when that happens because these are always some of the most special juice that Highland Park makes. So in fact, Highland Park grades their casks. Remember how I said a cask of whiskey can mature like a person? Well, a cask of a whiskey is like a person in more ways than one, and that the, the quality of <laughs> the quality is not all the same. The quality is not all the same. Uh, there's there's some, you know, every piece of oak is going to be very different. You know what I mean? The way that grain is laid out, it's going to change what a tree that grew from some ground over here, and a tree that grew from a, some ground. And if even 50 yards away can have different, different soil, giving it flavor, getting its nutrients from. So, that being said, uh, like I say, not a, not every cask is created equal. So, the casks that are just truly exceptional, and we're tasting our whiskey, and nosing it every step of the way. And when we're blown away by something, then we get we 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 save those special casks for limited bottlings like this and for casks that are just really really good that we just love it but it's not necessarily like just making my mind explode but i'm just wow this is really really good that's what goes into our core line and for casks that are just good we'll try and recask it and put it into a new cask and see if we can get it to be exceptional and if we can't we'll sell that to blenders you know, we'll sell that to blenders. But if it's just like, ugh, I can't, this is, it's, it's something. You know, we're Scottish. We're not going to just throw this away. Like, no. So what we do at Highland Park is we redistill it 
to 95% ABV, alcohol by volume. <laughs> so we turn it clear and we redistill it to 95% alcohol by volume and we sell it to, to French perfumers. <laughs> so your Yves, your Yves Saint Laurent, your Coco Chanel, is actually just really bad Highland Park. <laughs> Absolutely. So this 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 is some of those really special casks, guys. So this is that full volume, and this is. Oh, you guys are excited. You're, you're golden. You're golden. Uh, so this is this is actually uh, a, a bit of a departure for Highland Park. We do so much with with sherry casks. Everything we've had has been primarily sherried. Even the Magnus. The Magnus was exclusively that American oak sherry cask. American oak that we shipped to Spain that I talked about. Uh, this is actually all first fill bourbon casks, specifically two different types of casks: hog head, hogsheads, which are 250 liters, which is about a half size barrel, and then these tiny, tinier still 200 uh, liter barrels. Yep, exactly. Why? Why is it the size of the cask? Why, why is that a variable? Yeah, it changes the ratio of wood to liquid uh, in the surface area, right? So you're going to get more flavor uh, off of a smaller cask. So these are small, first-fill bourbon casks, and we dialed the peat back just a little bit on this one, and there's some beautiful honey, some beautiful vanilla, Beautiful floral note to it. There's this kind of cedary wood thing going on as well. The nose is beautiful. Guys, this one is overproof and you wouldn't even know it. You wouldn't even know it if I didn't tell you. 47.2. Is 47.2 the, is the alcohol by volume. So what's the size of those casks? Uh, 200 liters and 250 liters as opposed to 450 and 500 liters. What are we getting on the palate here, guys? Yep. Yeah. Graham cracker, I like that. Totally graham cracker. That's a good one. Christmas tree. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Pine. yeah. <laughs> definitely a holiday. Safety. Definitely a holiday. So I heard that some people were getting some candied notes on, on some of the earlier expressions. I definitely get some candied notes on this one. We, we get toffee a lot on whiskey, right? But this, I get straight up taffy, not even toffee. It smells like taffy. And what are we drinking here? What's this is Highland Park full volume. So I told you guys I'm a music a music guy. This one goes to 11. This one goes to 11 uh, due to those small casks. Uh, so our, the box on this on this guy here is, is it's designed to look like a Fender amp. And the side of it has like knobs and everything. I love it. I think it's so cool. <laughs> I think it's so cool. But again, limited one-off bottling. Once it's gone, it will never exist again. So. How much is it going for right now? It's about $110, I believe. Yeah. So it literally goes to 
Nice. 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 Well, guys, I have to say, you guys have been absolutely incredible. Uh, you have. Not a joke. Yeah. You know what? I've, I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be honest, guys. I I, I have said that many times uh, after tastings, but I, I I genuinely mean it. You guys have been participating. I love some of the feedback you guys have been giving me. You guys have been asking me intelligent questions. Uh, you guys are awesome. Uh, I'm so grateful to just be able to be in a room with you guys, sipping some delicious juice, and and, and all of us trying to further our whiskey journey together, right? Amen. Thank you for listening to the podcast. If you like what you heard, please head over to Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star rating and review. The Spirit Guide Society is a Spirit Adventures production in association with Bitten from the Apple Productions. Special thanks to Tone Mesa for their post-production and audio services. The show is produced by Andrew Apple and me, Pedro Shanahan. Executive producer, Andrew Abrahamson. Be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Spirit Guide SOC. We'll be there to answer any questions you have, share what we're drinking, and more. And if you're still thirsty, you can always find more episodes of the show wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to always drink responsibly. That means don't drink to forget, drink to remember. <laughs> <laughs>